0: Hi, everyone, and welcome back to a fresh episode of Sam's Business Growth Show. Excited to be joined by Alex Boyd today. Alex is the founder and CEO over at Revenue Zen, where he works with growing companies to help them scale their content marketing and demand generation. Alex was born and raised in San Francisco, currently hails from Portland, Oregon, and Revenue Zen works with startups all over the country. Alex, a very warm welcome, my friend. Welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm
1: great. Thanks for having me on, man.
0: No worries, dude. So looking forward to having a chat today. And um, as the title says, we're, we're going to take a focus on how to nail inbound marketing as a startup, which I'm sure is going to be a spicy and interesting topic for anyone that's, that's recently started their own business and is le- looking to up their brand visibility, the inbound leads, inquiries, demo requests, whatever it may be that they want to get in for the new business side of things, or anyone perhaps thinking of starting their own business. Um, but before we get to that interesting topic, um, Self and the audience, uh, Alex, would love to know a bit more about yourself. So perhaps you could share with us a bit of your background um, and perhaps a few of the companies that you worked at and maybe a couple of lessons learned along the way in either business, sales, or marketing um, up to you creating your own company uh, revenues then. Yeah, absolutely. Um,
1: well, I got into sales purely accidentally um, when I graduated college with a, a moral philosophy degree. I applied to the quantitative trading desks at hedge funds. None of which wanted me, uh, and I realized that I needed to try something else. So, um, applying to the research desk of a brokerage firm, they had a sales position open, and you know I was early twenties and needed a job. And so, sure, why not? Right, let's try it out. Terrified, kicking and screaming. Um, <laughs> and uh, a friend of mine last night made the comment that um, you know I'm not a natural like schmoozer type of salesperson. Um, sort of scienced it out along the way. And so in my early sales jobs, um, I sort of developed more of the the structure of it um, versus relying on um, what some people just, some people you seem like, they seem like a natural salesperson, right? Whereas I am sure. from a bit, a bit more of a systems mindset. Um, so when I took over a team and started leading sales and SDR and outbound, and um, it sort of made a bit easier to catch on that way. Um, and so when I started Revenue Zen with my co-founder who focuses on more of our marketing practice, um, we joined forces that way. We both had our, our systems mindsets for sales, for marketing. Um, she's published several sci-fi novels um, and was a you know journalist and content marketer for a long time, still is. Um, and you know, today I come from just that sales background, but also um still more of the systems mindset of, of you know, we're your numbers, how are your processes? How does it all tie together, um, and does it matter? I think a lot of um, people in outbound positions haven't held a bag, um, whereas that was most of what my career was spent on. So um, everything we do is focused around: would it help people like us with no VC money make it work? Right, because this what we do for ourselves is our money. It's my rent, my groceries. It's got to work, and it has. Um, so we're, there's no, you know investor playground to play with nothing against venture-backed companies. But um, the stuff we do is all focused on it has to work. Um, and so that's where we are today. Um, so, yeah, types of companies we work with. There's, you know, look of the case that is in the website. There's Prod Perfect is, uh, you know, Series A way regression testing company that um, needs to talk to more heads of eng um, and get over skepticism. And they use content, they use Outbound to do that. Um, Fundraise is a company with a um, really wonderful human of a CEO who had a great background in nonprofits, ran nonprofits um, now has technology that sells to them and we've helped him grow his brand on LinkedIn as well as outbound um, even consultancies you know like customer success consultancies like Success hacker. Um, Aaron's a good friend of mine. We've um, just shipped revenue at multiples of what they've paid us on outbound and also on inbound and SEO. Um, so our our kind of focus is the the
0: early stage folks.
1: I kind of want to say underdogs, but um, <laughs> you know for some reason that's just what we like.
0: Awesome, man. Okay, so yeah, startups are the one. Um, and before we talk about perhaps why you started your own business, um, you, you mentioned that you take more of a tactical, more of a structured process rather than being a natural salesperson which I'm just, just the same, quite an introvert. I'm, I'm definitely suited to inside sales rather than face-to-face. Um, definitely what you call the kind of traditional, when you think of salesman, slick person in a suit, always going always going out on the field in their fancy car and kind of closing deals and pressuring people into sales. So I'm like, much like you probably, I'm, I'm quite the opposite to, to that and prefer to have a kind of rigid process that I follow um, in terms of how I help clients and customers and things like that with the service we do. Cool. Um, yeah, so before we kind of jump into why you started your own business, are there any, any lessons that you learned, be it at previous, previous businesses or previous companies before you started, that might be of value to our audience, be it in marketing or be it a tip in sales or business in general that might be worth us discussing? Um,
1: I think the one of the main things that crops up often that um, when I talk with other entrepreneurs and founder friends, it's a little bit tangential to sales and, and marketing and revenue, but um, it's – finance having a damn good financial plan um and when i came from indonero at my last company where i I led sales we sold accounting and tax um and software for um bookkeeping forecasting planets type of stuff um and so the moment i started revenue zen um the first thing i did was set up a damn good google sheet with all my lines projections where clients that we were going to close revenue mrr how it was going to translate to money in the bank how we're going to invest that back And it's just made decision-making so easy. And if there's one less thing as a founder that you have to worry about, which is trying to go back and um, redo that stuff when you need to make a decision to ask yourself, can I hire this person? Do I have capacity for this deal? Whatever it is, um, not having to think about those questions actually has helped me simplify my sales process a lot because knowing my numbers means I can confidently say that I'm at the limit of my discounting potential um when we can and can't deliver on something. Um So, yeah, don't neglect the the back office. Make sure it runs smooth and the front office will feel uh, much easier as a result. That's my that's my non-sales, sort of sales tip. Um, before Brilliant tip.
0: Brilliant tip. I mean, finance is key and knowing all your outgoings, all your staff payments, all your outsource payments, uh, where you are in your, your own figures, sales figures, all this kind of stuff is, is going to help you make informed decisions, right? So it's, it's a crucial part of the, of a crucial piece of the puzzle when it comes to business. Yes, it is. Cool, man. So let's talk a bit about your business. Give us um, a bit of a background in terms of why you decided to go out on your own when the light bulb moment was that you thought, yeah, I'm going to start something here. Um, and did you mention you had a co-founder as well that, that helped you make it happen?
1: Yeah. Um, so we have three partners today. Um, okay. Uh, one of the original partners is, is consulting now um, independently. Um, <clears throat> And so what happened originally was um, I was at my last company for about maybe like a year and a half in the director of sales role. Um, and I we'd hit the point where um, I just I wanted to really build my own culture from the start. And it wasn't really about like I have this amazing product I have to create and sell. Um, I was not an inventor type. I was an operator through and through. Um, and by that I mean I, I sat at my – I sat at my desk I had my team of 10 SDRs and 10 AEs and um, I had my dashboard that, uh, you know, as you mentioned, finance, right? Um, it pulled in everything from Salesforce needed to know, pulled in my forecast, my cost numbers. And I sat there and people would bring a laptop around and show me their, their computer with an email that they had to write to a prospect to try to negotiate the deal to come in. And I would just sort of jockey coach to help answer questions and like sort of be reactive, um, which was fine. And eventually it was like, whenever I wanted to make proactive changes, when I would hit a wall, I would get frustrated because, um, as, as good as I thought I was selling internally upward wasn't perfect. Um, and I realized the only way to really build something from, from scratch and in your own vision is to literally do that. You have to go and leave and do that. So, you know, the opportunity came along and, um, a friend of mine said, if you ever, you know, um, can help us with our sales efforts, we'd happy to, you know, consult with you. Um, and then they came on, they actually recently got acquired, that first client. Um, and uh, then the second one and so on and just became, um, it, it eventually was, you know, a little bit more than my bills need, needed to pay. And so I stopped dipping into savings and started climbing upward. And that was like month three or so. Um, so month three was the the way of getting into this.
0: Um Awesome. Okay. Yeah. No, that's, that's great, man. So in terms of um, this might lead on to the main focus of the show, which is nailing inbound marketing as, as a startup. So perhaps you could share with us some of the ways, some of the strategies that you're actually able to grow your own business, how you're able to, to start bringing on staff and um, increase revenue, increase turnover. Uh, it might lead on to, to what we're going to discuss and add value to the audience as well. Um, perhaps you could talk us through some of those channels that you tapped into that helped your business grow and why they. They were kind of vital channels to your growth.
1: Yeah, that's a big one. Um, Two things stand out. One, in a totally failed side project business years before, um, uh, my co-founder and chief chief revenue officer at the time, um, who was the co-founder of that side project, I remember him saying clear as day when I was, you know, a wee early 20s sales rep who had no idea about this stuff. I remember him saying, Guys, we just got a blog for about a year, and you're not going to see it happen. And then you're going to see traffic happen, and that's how SEO works. And that's as about as advanced as I got at the time, is like you know, 24 years old trying to make a like an FX trading business happen, um, and it worked. Like th- what he said came true. I had no idea why. I couldn't quantify it, but it worked. And so I had that in my head. Um, so by month three, when my co-founder and our chief marketing officer joins, we've already got blogs up and she's like, okay, like you get some of this stuff. That's cool. Um, Another thing that stands out is the first client that was really sort of a marquee client for us and paid us, you know, a couple hundred thousand in the first year. We really delivered for them and they got amazing ROI from us. I remember the first thing that they said in the intro email and um, he wrote and said, Hey Alex, I know it's been a couple of years since we talked I saw your post on LinkedIn and we need help scaling sales, thought we could chat. And I remember that because, and I didn't really realize it at the time, um, but what I was doing was social selling. I was talking in public um, and people who just sort of tangentially knew me, who happened to have a need, thought of me at the time when their need was um, acute. And so I didn't know I was doing inbound marketing. But then as Amanda came on and was like, no, 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 this is how inbound marketing works. Um, and she started to lead that practice. I started to learn it too. So I was no longer this one trick pony of we close deals, we do outbound. But now I realized that um, the, the SDR team we built at the, the last company was a crutch for a lack of proper marketing support and brand marketing. Um And it occurred to me that outbound, just a form of marketing, but it's a relatively inefficient one sometimes. It depends on a number of things, but um, I realized it was doing both. And so um, I started to really rethink of myself as more of a marketer than a salesperson. And that was a big change. Um, And it didn't actually mean I I learned too much in the way of new skills. It was sort of just what I was already doing, but doing it with more refinement um, and edge and structure and obviously learning from my, my wonderful team who knows um, a ton more about that than I do. Um, so those are the couple of things that stand out early. was It was somebody saw my LinkedIn post who I had met at a party years earlier um, in San Francisco. Um, and I knew to start producing content from the start uh, everywhere I could. Those are the two things that caused us to never have a losing month and grow our bottom line over 100% a year the last three years.
0: Brilliant. No, that's, that's great, man. So it sounds like you pretty much got into inbound marketing by accident. And uh, I love that. Love that first thing you mentioned where you said, um, yeah, you put a blog about a year later, it'll start getting loads of traffic and then you'll probably get some leads. Yeah. <laughs> Almost how SEO works. A li- little bit more to it than that. But <laughs> just a bad, just a bad. <laughs> but great def- definition nonetheless. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. So um, is that is that pretty much how you have scaled your own business? Just producing a lot of content And getting it all inbound was it a mix of outbound activities as well
1: we've done precious little outbound um uh what my former CRO did a little bit of outbound I think he sent maybe a thousand cold emails total um I have sent you know a decent amount of like cold-ish LinkedIn requests um because people who you know engage in my content people who I I seem to know through somebody else I'll send them a note people who uh, you know are like um, appear to a company we've worked with. I'll send them a note and mention that. I'll do stuff like that. Um, but to date, if I look at my cash collected by source numbers, about four percent of our revenue, or or a little bit less, is from outbound. Interesting. And about half is from word of mouth and referrals. About you know a third ish is from either my LinkedIn posts or a combination of LinkedIn posts and our website, and the rest is purely SEO sourced. Um, so that's how our revenue breaks down. And that's not just deals, that's actual cash in the bank by um, LTV measured in
0: Salesforce and, and accounting invoices. Awesome, dude, good stuff. So let's let's get to the topic at hand. So we wanna, we wanna give as much value for people tuning in that are perhaps thinking of starting their own company or have started their own com- um, business recently. So let's, let's pretend for example, we're, we're B2B of course, so we're selling to businesses and maybe we offer some kind of online training or maybe we offer some kind of software as a service um, offering and we're not too sure about how to go to market. We've heard of inbound marketing. Um, or perhaps let's let's keep it as we offer online training. As, as COVID's recently hit, if we're a software as a service company, we not, might know more about inbound marketing. So let's keep it to a... We're, we're soft, we've moved our online training. We've moved our training that's traditionally face-to-face to online. Um, perhaps we're a tutor business or something like that. And we, we need a plan to go to market. We want to start getting inbound leads because we don't like cold calling. Um, so what what is the plan, um, uh, Alex? What, what should be the foundation of our plan? What should be some of the long-term strategies, some of the short-term strategies, and some of the perhaps medium-term strategies that we should look at to, to start getting things flowing? And perhaps we could talk about as well to, to put, get, put a bit more on the plate, some of the things that we can do that are going to be free that we can do internally, And then some of the things we should perhaps think about paying either a freelancer or an outside agency.
1: Yeah.
0: Big one. I know it is, it's, it's a good one. Um,
1: and so then the convenient thing about being in my position is when you say that naturally in my brain, like the spreadsheet unfolds of like, do this now and you'll see this later and then this now for short term path. And so we got to lay all that stuff out and then (laughs) prioritize budget, who does what, all that stuff. So, um, uh, let's start with the most basic, the customer. Who buys this training? Um, is it um, VPs of d at um, corporations universities? Is it plant managers at manufacturing um, uh, floors? Is it other entrepreneurs and founders? Um, so who buys it? And then where do they hang out? That's the biggest thing. Go to- One of the nice things is everybody Google searches stuff. So SEO is almost always a good idea for things like that. Um, if your market is big enough in terms of the amount of customers you sell to, and when I say big enough, I mean, you know if it's small. Um, people start companies and they say, look, there's really these 500 accounts we have to sell to, and that's kind of it. If that is your game, you're going to know you have a small market because you've you've done the research and you're like, this is my niche. It's very tight. Then don't really bother with SEO, right? Almost everybody else should invest some into it, but it's not going to take effect overnight, typically, so that's more of a long-term thing. And at the most basic what that is is you figure out what people are asking and searching for and you answer the damn questions with content and you produce it online. There's way more to it than that, but that's the basic part of it. It's like what is the most burning questions? Particularly are there questions I can answer that um, aren't as competitive for meaning other people aren't vying for that quite so much, but I know a lot about it. If you're a training company, you know a lot about that, right? You have your own topic, your own niche within the topic. Um and you can, you can literally look at the versions of the questions people search for that have to do with what you know. Just blog about that. If you hire an agency, they'll help you do it better and more effectively, but you're gonna help yourself a lot more by starting something. Um, so that's the first thing, and it'll pay off in kind of a medium term depending on how good you are at it, how much you do, so on and so forth. Um, and then there's the, uh, the little bit sort of medium to short-ish term depending on how good your network is, which is usually LinkedIn. Now, if your market is um, on LinkedIn, meaning they're not in the field, they tend to use it more actively. Um, and if you're not sure if your market uses LinkedIn, then go to or ask a friend who has LinkedIn Sales Navigator, put in the function or industry that you sell to, look at the top right and look at the percent of people who've posted in the last 30 days versus the total. That's the quickest way to get a, a general gist of it. Yeah. Um, for example, uh, nonprofit people executives tend to post well, roughly nine percent of them have posted in the last thirty days in tech it's about 17 percent. in um like uh physical operations roles it's about five percent manufacturing right so you can to get a sense of, of how active is my market on linkedin anybody can build a niche but it's easier to build one um and a following if your market is active and if you have a good reputation if you've done this stuff before in your jobs it's much easier to build a brand people know you um if you are very young and haven't done it before you're going to have to work pretty hard and parlay on the successes you get as an entrepreneur versus me stepping into this. I'm, I'm a young man, but I had done it once. I didn't So, you know, I could say, I say, I built that team. Now I'm going to do it for people like you. And then I just parlayed that into more successes. So if you've had.
0: On that note, Alex, so everyone, everyone that comes on the show, well, not everyone, but most people that come on the show are, are, are keen LinkedIn users, as we tend to, to talk to B2B business people, professionals, sales professionals, marketers, and so on. Um, have you got any tips or strategies that have helped you? Because you said quite a lot of your business has come from LinkedIn, and that's yeah. how some of your earlier inquiries through people that you've networked before or you knew in real life, and then they were seeing your content, and then thinking of oh, alex looks like a trusted guy he seems to know what he's talking about i'm gonna reach out to him and talk about this project have you got any tips or tricks for anyone who's thinking i'm mm, not really sure if linkedin's working not really sure what type of content i should be putting on here um, that might help them out and might give them a few more ideas to, to get creative to actually have daily content and to start over time getting inquiries from what they're putting out
1: yeah uh, daily is quite the frequency. I, I've never posted daily. That's that's good, though. If you can post daily, great. That's going to take a lot of work. Um, I posted once a week for the past three years or so. Um, I'm, I'm trying to up it twice a week, maybe a bit more. But um, the, the key is to apply a no bullshit test of whether it's actually helpful. Most people go on LinkedIn and they, they share articles. They share blogs. And then I ask them invariably, Would you click on that? Do you care about that stuff? And then they say, no. Well, why do you do it? They say, well, that's what I thought you're supposed to do. Don't do anything you think you're supposed to do that you don't actually find helpful yourself. Um, And it really is that critical thinking rigor test of do you honestly believe and and can you defend that what you're posting is helpful? Um, If you apply that test and in your heart of hearts, you say no then it's not going to work. It's not gonna give you leads. Nobody has ever gotten a lead that I have ever met from sharing a blog post, never. I've never heard of it. It just doesn't happen. Maybe the marketing team got an extra click which got them into the funnel, but it didn't help you, the founder or salesperson, get a lead. I'm not saying don't share blogs. If you um, benefit from the, the blog's traffic and thus you working at the company and getting that lead, then fair enough. But if you are a sales rep who may not see the results of that blog, don't share the blog. Your marketing team will tell you to, but it, and that's fine if you have to, but it won't help you. What will help you is things that your prospects would find genuinely helpful. And this is the tough part is what do you then post that genuinely helpful? Well, there are some questions you can ask yourself to figure that out. Um, if you're a trainer, going back to the example, what are the most common questions that they bring to you? What are the biggest topics in the training that, that the training covers? Um, Can you answer some of those with different angles without just posting your whole training? Um, But can you answer some of those questions? Can you tell anecdotes and stories about how somebody who brought your training company on became better? Um, Can you talk about the way you approach business and life in that ways that are interesting? Um, And really this is just posting text, maybe video and audio, but just post text. Don't post anybody else's text. Post your text. If you wrote the blog, that's sort of fine, but generally, just write stuff that you um, find valuable. Um, the two ways that people typically fall down here are: they have psychological hangups that they don't believe what they um, know to be is valuable to be valuable to others. They don't think people will find it valuable. Um, or two, they don't actually know anything of value, which is the worst scenario in which they just sort of um, they just sell a product and they don't they haven't taken the time to dive into why it matters. Um, They don't have the product knowledge required to. And I say product knowledge, it could be subject matter expertise if you're a consultant, whatever that is. Um, So assuming you do know things that are helpful to others, you have to have the confidence to start sharing them. And then you can get into refinement of how do you tell stories? How do you write good copy? How do you write a good hook? But really it's just, um, are you sharing valuable things? You do not need more than that. You apply that one critical thinking test and, and you will be fine if you do well with it um, you do not need an agency we do that as an agency but you don't need an agency most people who build good brands do it without an agency um, it's just hard to it's hard to manufacture that whole buzz on LinkedIn in less time unless you have help with it um, but the question is then do you need help with coming up with good ideas well you got to go back to the drawing board you got to have good ideas um, you help with writing those ideas down and yeah, that's fair. Yeah. People can help you write it down. How about formatting, editing video, adding captions, imagery, uh, help with content countering. Nah, yeah, that's fine. That's just marketing help. You know, don't begrudge anybody getting that, but you need you, the founder, the person building a brand need to have good ideas. If you don't have good ideas, I cannot help you. I cannot help you be interesting. That's what I tell all of our clients is I can't uh, give you good things to write. I will not make up stuff for you.
0: Alex, this is great mate. Um, so yeah, I love that what you said just now, apply a non-bullshit test to see if your content is helpful or not. So in terms of, you mentioned look, thinking about answering questions that your prospective customers ha- might have, telling stories um, and kind of not, not posting blogs, but thinking about how you can make your service interesting and helpful to, to your audience. So it's one, I mean, one way that just come to mind to myself is if you're having conversations with clients or prospective clients and they they start asking questions, should we then make a note of these questions and then use these in LinkedIn posts as we know that these are actually things on people's minds and then put those answers there?
1: Yeah. I'll give you an example, right? Um, one thing on my idea board is, my idea board is just a Slack channel where I post like ideas that came up from conversations. And so I was having a call with somebody who They showed me their copy for an outbound strategy and i was like this is this is terrifyingly bad like you're you're i don't understand what you do i don't think you understand what you do and you're using so much jargon that no one's gonna gonna get it um and they said well how do i change it i said what is the cocktail party explanation how would you explain what you do to somebody who's not in the industry if you were not trying to be a business person how would you how would you explain it um and they, then they just thought of them, and they just spat out a normal-sounding definition of what they do. Um, you know, we help with you know end-to-end uh, payments integration solutions. What the? What is that? Yeah, I don't yeah. Know. yeah, yeah. What do you actually, do. And so, if you sometimes they just get, I get nearly angry with people. I'm like, you are not explaining what you do. And so, this is just an idea I have. And so, I thought, well, okay. I say this all the time. I'm constantly looking at bad copy where people don't know um, how to. Just speak their mind so why don't i write that i'm going to write a post about you know what is a cocktail party explanation how do you arrive at one why is it helpful and why will it help you convert better um so i just i just it's an it's a, an act of reflection and listening and if you're not listening for post ideas they won't come up once you start listening for them in your own life and consulting and work with clients they will start to think of them so you just have to start thinking this should be a post um, and it's really just, did you teach somebody something? Are you saying certain things often? Um, there's no, nothing fancy to it, it's just the, the human nature of it. What do people most commonly wanna know and what do, you, um, what do you teach them that they typically find most helpful?
0: This is brilliant, man. And should we put a call to action on the post itself or should we, should we have some kind of hook or should we just kind of do it on the basis that the post or the content is giving pure value And if someone wants to come through to us, they'll click for our profile. And if they want to reach out, they will.
1: I almost never put call to actions in mine. Um, Some of the people I know that make the most money from LinkedIn don't either. Um, But not to say that there aren't people who do. I'm I'm sure there are definitely people that I just don't know as well that put call to actions and make money from LinkedIn. Um, I personally don't, but it's one of the things where like, there's there's no real science to it. You'll just seem different. So when you put a call to action on your post, you will seem like somebody who puts calls to actions on their post, which is fine. It's just, it's a bit more, um, you can craft exactly the brand impression you want to convey by not having a call to action. I portray myself, I think accurately as somebody who does not need anybody's business and I'm not here to sell by putting a call to action. You, you say that you are here to sell. That's okay. Just know that that's what you're doing. Um, it should work for your market. Um, It should work for you. It should it should fall in line with the rest of your sales process. It should be something you're comfortable with as a personal brand, so on and so forth. It's not to say don't do it. It's just to say know what you're doing. Um, So um, yeah, that's my take on most like LinkedIn tactics is it just has to fit with the rest of your process and it has to convert.
0: Makes sense, man. Okay. Well, we've talked about laying down who your actual ideal customer is. Understanding where they hang out. So obviously if they're, if they're not gonna be on LinkedIn, probably not much point in posting a load of content on LinkedIn if no one's ever gonna see it and that your audience isn't actually active there. Um, we talked about how to craft kind of LinkedIn posts that make sense and how to come up with the ideas and how to structure them. Um, also, we, we mentioned SEO that I missed out as a, as a kind of long-term strategy um, to to gain new beers, to gain traction, to gain brand visibility, traffic to your website, and obviously inbound inquiries or leads. Um, what else is there to it, Alex? What have we not yet covered? Um,
1: one of the most common questions I get now is how does Outbound fit into all this? Um, and so depending on whether you're a founder, entrepreneur or more of a sales leader watching this, um, you're probably looking at your numbers and your Outbound tactics and thinking, well, what do I do differently? Um, for me, the way I use Outbound is I think of it as content distribution um, and I include ads in Outbound. Because that is the same thing, right? So when I think of outbound, I mean, should I send somebody a cold email? Uh, should I send them a LinkedIn request? Um, what should go in that? Should it be promoting certain content? Should it be teaching them something? Should I have a call to action? Should I be running ads? Those are all forms of outbound. Um, so the the classic form of outbound that we see working best nowadays is calling cell phones. If you do want to really get your hands dirty with, with outbound and you uh, n- need, for some sort of usually fundraising reason, to build some sort of pipeline or show of pipeline in the next month or two call cell phones. Um, that's, what's working now. Um, but mostly the the way I advocate outbound for what we do is to help, um, increase brand awareness, grow your network and your audience size in LinkedIn. Um, and also to selectively cold email when your market is not a good fit for LinkedIn, right? So if you, um, if your people don't hang out there, then you're gonna to have to get them somewhere else, right? Whether that's um, posting in certain subreddits or Google groups or forums or Slack channels or emailing them, um, uh, that that can work. And we, we do still see that work. Um, but what we see work better is using outbound as a way to promote content and amplify it. So SEO is a way to distribute content. It relies on Google. Um, there are other ways that work faster, right? You can install a Facebook pixel on your website and retarget anybody who visits your website to a Facebook ad. Um, the first thing I say when people ask about outbound that sometimes I mention that is, Oh, my market doesn't use Facebook. I'm like, Well, if they have an account, they will see the ad. If they don't, they won't. What's the problem with that? Um, Instagram is the same thing. Like if they have an Instagram account, Oh, people in it don't have Instagram. Yes, they do. I, I have friends in it and they have Instagram accounts. Uh, they post pictures of dogs, but then they'll see your damn ad too. Um, if they don't have it, they won't. Um, and I, I I always tell people, if you're trying to think about outbound in a vacuum, I have a really easy time outbounding because my brand is so strong. If I outbound anybody in a certain subject of people, they'll have heard of me. And so you, you may look at my, the copy that I'm sending and think, oh, this is the magic copy. It's not, it's because they've heard of me, right? So outbound is way easier if you have a good brand. Um, and yes, if you want to just skip that and for some reason you need results you know, now and you don't mind paying out the ass for it, call cell phones. That's easy. Um, but if you want to pay less for your leads and for your deals, um, do outbound once your brand is so strong that you're calling people who've heard of you or at least whose brains have been primed to see your company name or even your person name. Idea. That's way easier. And it's not the copy you're sending. It's partially, but it's mostly the fact that they've heard of you. They'll listen to anything you say because they've heard of you. That's why if you're Oracle or IBM, you can hire people off the street and they can get results because uh, people know Oracle and IBM. They'll take the call, right? And they don't. If you're a startup who nobody knows, you don't have that. You have to build that on a small level with your niche and then outbound them. That's ideal. That way you'll get better results and and, and unless you want to pay a lot for your leads by just running paid and an outbound continuously, in which case go for it, but your your LTV to CAC and your ROI will be much lower than somebody who relies on either just inbound or proactive inbound, which layers outbound on top of inbound. Um, So get your content foundations in order first and your outbound conversion rates will go
0: way up. Dude, you're preaching to the choir, but this is definitely gonna be useful information for anyone um, tuning in. And I've never really heard it put quite that way um, in terms of outbound is is a, a source to distribute content, kind of build your brand, and there's not really much point doing it unless you've already got that branding in place. So when people hear from you, they've kind of got it in the back of their minds, whether they've seen your website, whether they've seen an advertisement or they've just seen something digitally of your brand to give them that little push to, I guess, the confidence to kind of talk to you or chat with you or book a demo, whatever it is your call to action may be. Um, Interesting topic. Interesting indeed. Okay, man. Well, um, yeah, we've covered some some great ground. Um, what what I do like to ask everyone that comes on Alex is is there one digital channel of choice that you recommend that any business should be should be utilizing? Let's say you're a B two B business. Is there one above all the others? Um,
1: it's it's kind of a toss up between LinkedIn and Google at this point um, because there are some people who for certain types of people and certain types of personalities, I'd say who, um, don't, I mean, just to be real, like don't mind the attention. LinkedIn will work well for you. Um, if you loathe people paying attention to you, then you, you're better off running a Google strategy. I mean, that's a single default thing that everyone should do some of. Um, for example, uh, let's take the CEO of fundraiser client. Um, The dude has a lot of good stuff to say and is a heart of absolute gold, but he's as one of his friends said, he has always loved the microphone, and that's what's made his LinkedIn strategy so good. Is he relishes it and he's good at it. So I would say it's dependent on who you are as a person. Um, If you don't, if you the idea of public speaking is at at least a little bit exciting to you, LinkedIn's your channel. If you hate that idea, man, Google's probably your best channel. And, And and you said not necessarily your highest ROI channel, but the channel everyone should do. And that's, I think, what it is. It's depending on who you are as a person. And you have to enjoy whatever you do. So the channel you should always do is what you what appeals to you. Um, and I say you, the founder, you, the revenue leader. If you do what you love, you'll stick with it.
0: And just to dive into that a bit deeper, do you think that all companies, or for for example, sake, that we've been talking about a um, training solutions provider as the example, should they be, going straight into a multi-channel approach from day one. Let's say there's there's just two people in the business, perhaps two founders, should they be diving straight into all the channels? So creating heaps of content and working on their SEO, working on building authority for their website, perhaps posting blogs, putting all this content out on different directory sites and so on, hammering LinkedIn, trying to do some some paid ads as well. Should they be going gung ho on all of them or should they be doing it steadily and focusing on one channel at a time? What do you think?
1: It depends on a couple things. Um, You want to kind of build it as a kind of as a T, right? So the T shape is you want to do a little bit of everything if you can, and then you'll find the ways that work best for you and you'll go deeper on those. So you'll have a little low hanging fruit everywhere and then the things you go deep on. That's your T shape growth uh, set. Um, The next thing that it depends on is can you afford to think at least a little bit long term? If you can, then you should do more on the content creation side and go deep on that for a while. Um, if you cannot afford to and you sort of have to hustle hard up front to pay bills from leaving your job, then you should hustle for referrals and go after the lowest hanging fruit people you know. Tell them, just tell them what you, tell, tell people you know in the industry what you're up to. That's it. They'll come up with referrals for you if they can think of them. You may want to ask them directly for referrals, but that's sort of the the hustle way to go about it at first Um, and spend a lot of time doing that. Um, If you don't, if you can think even a few months out and spend time on this, then just create shit tons of good content on your site, on your social media accounts, grow them, um, and just put tons of energy there. And it'll it'll be a cheaper, easier way of acquiring business in the next six to nine months for you but also just go after again, like the, the the easiest types of leads that you have, which is people who are close to people you know. Um, and so, depending on what level of honestly savings or investment you're coming into this this venture with, um, that determines how long your your um, time horizon can be. So, depending on that, again, finance is your financial. Does your financial plan dictate that you can have that you can do things that pay off in one month? three months or 12 months. The things that pay off in the longer term will almost always pay off better. The shorter term payoff, the
0: lower the ROI, almost always. That's brilliant, dude, and sound really sound advice there and bring it back to the, to the finance sheet we talked about right at the start. Thanks mm-hmm. so much, Alex. Thank you for coming on. Everyone, you've been tuning in to Sam's Business Growth Show. We sit down with business leaders, experts, and entrepreneurs from around the globe. We found out their story, how digital marketing has helped them along the way, and exclusive tips and insights to help you skyrocket your sales and Skyrack your business. Alex, we'd like to ask everyone that comes on, if you could thank just one person, either dead or alive, having a positive influence on yourself and your career, who would that be and why?
1: Um, Of course, my mother, obviously. If mom's watching, thanks, mom.
0: <laughs> Top man. Alex, tell us a bit more about your business, uh, how people can learn from you, and the best way to get in touch or connect with yourself.
1: It's going to be an obvious answer, but LinkedIn. Yeah, on LinkedIn, that's how most people get in touch nowadays is um, send me a connect request, ask questions, and um, yeah, find me there.
0: Awesome, man. And if you've enjoyed the show, please do subscribe on your podcast channel of choice, be it Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we interview tons of business leaders each and every week. And there's plenty of you to, for you to tune into. Alex, thank you once again for coming on, man. I appreciate it. Thanks, Sam. Are you tired of constantly hunting for new customers? You could be missing out on regular inbound opportunities, all because your website isn't on the first page of Google. Perhaps you're already spending lots of money on advertising, but your website is failing to convert all of your hard-earned visitors into a consistent flow of new customers. If you'd like to learn more about our unusual approach that brings idle clients straight to you, connect with Sam Dunning on LinkedIn, or book a free 20-minute consultation via webchoiceuk.com. That's webchoiceuk.com. Subscribe today for more digital marketing, sales and business growth tips from the experts.